is Jerry DiPiano, and you are listening or watching or both the Love Mia Vita podcast. Today, I'm with Alison Blod, who is British, living in Sweden, and who has tremendous background in nutrition, and she'll share more of that with you. Today, Alison and I are going to be talking about a topic that is near and dear to all of us, and that is our crowning glory, which is our hair. We either have too much of it on the wrong parts of our body or not enough of it in places where it's supposed to grow. But we have some great information that we wanna share with you today about how you can keep your beautiful hair healthy all throughout your reproductive life and especially as we mature into our 40s and 50s and beyond. So with that, let me introduce Alan Blod, who has been a frequent guest, but for those of you who may not have listened in previously, Allison, perhaps you could share a bit of your background with our listeners and viewers. Oh, thank you so much, Joe. It's lovely to be here again, uh, talking to you about, like you said, a very important subject. Um, so yeah, I'm a registered nutritional therapist and I'm, I am actually an esthetician as well. Uh, my short version of my my story really is when I was a teenager, I had very bad skin and that really kind of led me down the path of uh, hormonal interest. I wanted to know what was going on. I had acne, adolescent acne. And that was when I started working as an esthetician. I trained to be an esthetician, specifically working with women that had um, hormonal issues on their skin, you know, acne, uh, pigmentation, et cetera. I very soon came to realize that you had to work from the inside as well. And that's when I went back to university and studied to be a nutritional, you study nutritional science to be a nutritional therapist. And ever since then, I've been working in, in female health, very um, specifically focusing on perimenopause, menopause and postmenopause or women, because that is a time when our hormones start to go a bit crazy they start to decline in perimenopause they're all over the place and you know I work with clients all over the world really helping people to maximize their health and, and feel great through through the next stage in their lives so the transition is really important it's you know sometimes we misbehave when we're younger and we think that we we're going to live forever and our bodies will withstand whatever we do to them uh, we can smoke, we can drink, we can eat whatever we feel like eating, we can exercise when we feel like ex exercising or maybe overdo it. And then we reach a point in our lives, we realize that we are not invincible and our bodies may, you know, may show that, those, those signs, right? So they, they tell a lot about you and your hair and your skin do reveal quite a bit about how you live your life or how you may have lived your life. That doesn't mean that you can't begin to make changes, incremental changes. And that's what we wanna share with you, our listeners and viewers today. So first of all, as we think about hair and having great hair at any age, we should probably just remind folks as to the composition of our hair. Yeah, I mean, hair is protein. It's, it's a protein called keratin. That, that's the key protein in hair. Um, and, you know, we, we just take our hair for granted, don't we? And when we come into perimenopause, which is the first stage of menopause, you can start finding that your hair, you lose hair. 
it becomes finer, it becomes drier. You know, maybe you've had very thick hair and all of a sudden you find that it just isn't the same texture. And I mean, it's, it's protein, really. That's why, you know, well, I'm sure we'll come on to later that it's very important that you, you know, you eat protein in, in your diet to, to really keep the hair in a healthy condition amongst other things. But yeah, it's, it's made of keratin. Yeah, so it's 65, between 65 and 95% protein, which is astounding. And we have a little, some lipids in there and we have some, some other uh, water and, and so forth. But the vast majority of hair is comprised of protein and we, we shouldn't underestimate that. And so we, we need to be thinking about that with, with diet. And you talk about the, as we progress through perimenopause, we'll say the transitions that we go through, the, the perimenopausal transition, and then the menopause, uh, the postmenopausal transition, et cetera. And our hair starts to show signs of that aging because of the decline and the changing levels of two hormones in particular, which is estrogen and progesterone. And as they begin to decline, what also happens is that you start to see an elevation of androgens. And androgens are the things that really are more, create more masculine sorts of characteristics, or in this case, they cause us to lose some hair. So you have a combination of factors going on. And then if you are also experiencing some other things like stress, or if you are not eating healthily, or if you are diet, maybe maybe your diet is, um, you're doing some extreme dieting because you're noticing that your metabolism is changing. So all of those factors start to converge. And before long, as you said it, you wake up one morning, you say, oh, my hair looks dead. It looks thin. It looks hideous. What happened to my beautiful hair? And then you add to that what we all, you know, <clears throat> try to do is maintain the fountain of youth by perhaps, not everyone, but perhaps you also do things to your hair like color it or use hot irons or, or other types of tools or other types of lotions and potions that don't necessarily help your hair. So let's talk about all these sorts of factors. Let's talk about the um, what, what is going on in our bodies and how we can first, this is the What's going on is the diagnostic part, isn't it? Yeah, that was so. I loved everything you said there, uh, Jerry. It's so so true. And I, estrogen, as we know, is responsible for so many different functions in the body. I mean, it it is not just a sex hormone. It affects every system in the body. And when estrogen starts to decline in in perimenopause, which is the first stage of the transition, estrogen is what actually helps to keep the hair in the growth phase so if you can think when when you've got estrogen in your system you know your hair grows and it stays in the growth phase the amount of time that it should but when you haven't got the the amount of estrogen it doesn't grow the same and and i know myself i'm in perimenopause and i've seen a huge difference in my hair it just it just doesn't seem to grow anymore and and that is because it doesn't it's not allowed to stay in the growth phase like it normally would when when we were younger and then as you you said uh testosterone you know that comes into play here because testosterone and, and estrogen there can become an imbalance in the ratio 
during uh, perimenopause and menopause and testosterone can become more dominant and that is an androgen and what can happen there is that can unfortunately we can again uh, gather hair growth on the face which is exactly where we don't want it and this can cause us to lose to shed hair on on the head and we can get like uh, baldness like bald patches or we can find that the our partings become wider you know so so really estrogen is needed for to keep the hair in good condition to keep the hair growth but testosterone when that tends to the ratio becomes unbalanced testosterone has a it shortens the hair cycle uh, and it also makes the the hair follicle weaker and thinner uh, so th there's a lot of things going on and i think what's fascinating with with hair and i mean hair and skin and nails they really come at the bottom of the list when, when we're talking about what your, how your body looks after every system and, and part of the body so you know if for example you're deficient in something or you're very stressed all the time you know you're using up a lot of mineral minerals and, and vitamins your body will always prioritize everything else if there's anything left over it will say, okay, well, we'll give a bit to the hair and the nails. So it's such a, a sign of uh, maybe, maybe a deficiency if your hair's very dry and thin or, or you find your nails are breaking because they're not things that are, you know, on the importance of your bodily systems. They're not like that important, really, even though for us as women, I mean, your hair is it's your crowning glory, isn't it? And it really affects your confidence at at a time when maybe your confidence isn't so fantastic anyway, is it going through menopause? So there is, there's a lot going on there. It's so, it, it is so true, right? So we, you know, we, we start to look at our skin and we start to look at our eyelashes and our eyebrows. And then we, then we look at the upper lip and just where you don't wet the hair, you end up seeing, you know, you've got this fuzz on the upper lip and you're like, gosh, you know, I wish I could grow the hair on my head instead of my exactly. eyes, right, or on my cheeks. <clears throat> so it does it it does make you feel a little bit more self conscious uh, when you start to see, see these things happening. But we always like to, to talk about solutions and hope because there are things that we can do. Um, we can put a little bit more emphasis on feeding our bodies and taking care of our bodies particularly when we know that these changes are taking place. So that when we look in the mirror, we start to see a healthier version of ourselves, maybe not the 20 year old version of ourselves, but certainly the best 40 or 50 or 60 plus version of ourselves. And that's really the key here. So when we think about causes of hair loss, we've talked about sort of the, the biochemical changes that are occurring, right? Uh, with estrogen and progesterone and testosterone. But then there may be some other things that are going on that are a function of perhaps diet or perhaps illness that are reflected in our, our hair and, and the fact that our hair doesn't quite look the way it did maybe 20 years ago. And so what are the what are some of the factors that we ought to be aware of that would require us to see a doctor, a healthcare practitioner that is qualified to really make that diagnosis? And what sort of tests might we consider? I think one of the, um, one of the main things that comes to the, the top of the list really is thyroid. Uh, and that is, a, is um, 
something that increases uh, it, normally is what we call hyperthyroidism or Hashimoto's, where it's, it's where your thyroid gland, uh, Hashimoto's is an autoimmune disease. Uh, hyperthyroidism is where your thyroid isn't producing enough of these thyroid hormones, which you need. It's like the, the engine of your body and it's needed for hair growth, et cetera. And we see in, in menopausal women that the rates of, of uh, thyroid issues actually increase quite considerably. So, you know, if you are having uh, hair loss, you know, there's no real explanation to it. I would always recommend that you you see your healthcare practitioner and, and ask for, I mean, they, they do tests to check your thyroid hormones. Um, and then you can really see if that is the issue. Thyroid... Um, symptoms of, of a low thyroid function are very similar to menopausal symptoms as well so it makes it even more tricky uh, but it's certainly worth talking to your, your healthcare provider but other uh, areas that can really affect hair growth are medications so certain medications that you're taking may play a factor in in hair loss so that again is is worth discussing with with your healthcare provider um, sudden weight loss so if you're really um you mentioned earlier jerry i think that was very good to bring up that you know another area when we're in menopause it's very common that we put weight on around especially around the abdomen area so we, we try everything don't we we maybe go on these diets and cut out certain food groups you know maybe that isn't so good for your body and you you could be lacking in certain minerals and and uh, vitamins so weight sudden weight loss is not good for hair and skin uh, medical conditions such as diabetes can affect hair growth. And then another key area is something that we're always talking about is stress management. Because when we're suffering from chronic stress, we, we produce stress hormones. One in particular is called cortisol. And cortisol actually, interestingly, affects the hair follicle. Uh, and it, it disturbs the hair follicle and prevents the hair, can prevent hair growth. So if we're constantly stressed and got high uh, stress hormone levels in our blood, it is going to affect, affect your hair. And an area that I see in, in a lot of clients that I work with is uh, iron deficiency, because iron is a key uh, amongst many other minerals. It's very important for hair growth. And when we're in perimenopause, you know, our periods can be all over the place and you can find that you really maybe have quite heavy periods. So it can play a factor in you know you being iron deficient in iron um you know anemic and also people that are on vegan or vegetarian diets they really have to be careful or be mindful that they are uh, consuming enough iron um products in their in their nutritional plan because that again can show show in in the uh, hair so and then there is a small, not a lot, but a small factor as well, like in the family, like genetics. Uh, they say if, if your parents or your mother suffer from hair loss, it, it could play a factor in that you may do when when you're when you get older. But that's only a very mi minor uh, thing. And then obviously hair styling, like you mentioned, Jerry, you know what you do to your hair if you're very aggressive towards it and always using heat and harsh products and coloring and you really just have to be quite nice to your hair and take care of it a little bit more than you did when you were 20. Yes 
So when we think about the, the steps that we wanna take, so we, we notice that our hair is going to thin and we notice that perhaps it's not growing quite as fast. And if we see an exacerbation of that, you start to lose, I think the number of hairs that one loses on average each day is between 70 and 100 hairs per day. But if you notice that your hairbrush is getting really full of hair, you're, you're combing your hair and you notice that you're use, losing an excessive amount of, of strands of hair, or if you go to your hairdresser and your hairdresser may comment when he or she is washing your hair that it appears particularly if someone you see regularly, they may comment that, you know, it seems like your hair is, you're losing more hair than you may have in the past. Perhaps it is time to go ahead and see your doctor so that you can understand whether you may have any of these underlying problems that are exacerbating um, the hair loss. And then if that's not the case, then you look to your diet, you look to your stress levels. And so let's, um, let's talk about diet for a moment because that is so important. Well, we, we always talk about what we put in our bodies. So beauty from the inside out. Yeah, diet, that's, uh, that's my thing, nutritional therapy. And this, you know, you can see such a difference if you really have a, a healthy diet it doesn't have to be complicated the key things for for hair uh, is really iron as we as we've said because this actually helps to increase blood flow to the scalp area and you know iron if, if you do eat meat meat is a, is a great source of iron uh, liver uh, the, the iron that we find in meat products is is more bioavailable for the body you absorb that much quicker and easier than you do if you if you get it from vegetarian sources so iron is key really making sure that you're consuming enough iron uh, the b vitamins they actually play a big role in hair health especially b12 uh, again this promotes healthy blood blood flow to the scalp area and folate which is b9 you know the, these vitamins are so crucial for the hair Zinc as well. It's been shown in studies that zinc uh, deficiency actually has an effect on the protein in the hair, in the hair follicle. So, you know, making sure you're getting enough zinc. Again, you can get that from meat products, uh, dairy, uh, vegetables, and then water. As we all know, we should drink water, but water is key, you know, for, for our overall health and hydration. Your hair needs uh, hydration through drinking water. And eating really a balanced plate, as we've said, you know, protein is key. And in general, women don't, we don't eat enough protein and not, you know, just thinking about hair health. We need protein as we get older because we lose muscle mass. We have to think of bone health. You know, we really need the, the building blocks of the body and protein can be found in um, dairy, you know, cheese, yogurt, milk. Uh, all, all your uh, meat products, fish. Uh, if you if you don't eat meat, you can look at like tofu, tempeh, all the soya products, nuts and seeds. But really, you should be roughly eating about a palm size of protein with with every meal. And if you'll also find if you eat enough protein, you're very satisfied. It, you don't tend to get those cravings. Uh, but it's something that we really need to think about, not only for hair health, but for our overall you know health is protein is key and then fat um healthy fats we need that for for 
every cell in the body and we need that for our hair health things like uh, fatty fish the omega-3 oils or you know olive oil avocados nuts and seeds it really keeps like a healthy hair and a healthy scalp if you if you eat the the fats i know fat's always been well, i know the, the area that i grew up in fat was kind of a bit of a swear word you know oh no nobody eats fat but now we actually understand through research that that was really the wrong information and we need fat but it's the type of fat we, you know we, we certainly want to avoid all the refined you know trans fats and damaged fats but good solid healthy fats are what we should be eating with every every meal eating as i always say more of a mediterranean style diet where you have you know your lovely protein your fish your white poultry fruits vegetables nuts and seeds legumes a very small amount of um, sugar reproducts. They don't really eat a lot of sugar and, and certainly no refined processed foods because that's really something you want to avoid because it causes, amongst other things, it causes inflammation in the body. And this isn't beneficial for hair health amongst many other things. So really cutting out all those packaged refined foods that uh, a majority of them have no nutritional value whatsoever. So when we think about what we put in our bodies, one of one of the things that we do, you you joked about the fats, and I remember growing up at a point in time when same thing, we fat was bad, but not all fats are bad, and fats help to with satiety as well. So if you have some fat in your diet, we think about what is what is a fat containing healthy food. I'm a I'm a huge fan of avocados. I love avocados. I mean that that is just a wonderful product uh, for all you know all your lovely healthy fats. Salmon is wonderful. Fatty fish, uh, and then olive oil or or I have uh, flaxseed oil as well that you can just pour over salads. So it's it's actually quite easy to incorporate fats into your diet, and they're, and they're delicious. And as you say, they they actually make you feel very satisfied so all your fatty fish um just bog standard butter you know not these refined margarines or anything just good old-fashioned butter is is a is a great fat so we um <clears throat> it's no secret that with my surname that i am of italian extraction and so we live on olive oil i mean olive oil is the cure-all for everything so we cook our eggs in olive oil we took all of our all of our baking. If we put something, uh, if it calls for an oil, we use olive oil. But it it really does. It changes um, it changes the way you feel about your food too, because it just it goes down easily. It is very tasty. You can combine it with pretty much anything. And so olive oil is a main staple for us in my household. And then we, we look at um, preparing avocados in a variety of ways. So one of the, uh, the things that I love about uh, what Allison does, I love many things that she does um, to counsel her clients. And we're going to give you a way to access her website. She does do this virtually. So even if you happen to live in North America or another part of the world and you're listening to this, you can still reach out to Allison virtually and she can do a consult with you if you need, need that support. But uh, one of the things that we love is her recipes because she does have these fabulous recipes that she's put together. So maybe what is, what is your favorite avocado um, recipe? 
I'm a bit this that is it's nothing complicated, but I absolutely love uh like avatar avocado toast. So you take some sour bread uh toast and then you you take an avocado and you you peel it obviously and then you just mash up half half the avocado a little bit of lemon salt and pepper and then you spread that over the toast and then you take some salmon so some smoked salmon over the top of that a little bit of pepper maybe some it's delicious if you just put some chopped radishes on the top of that or watercress it's it's such a delicious I mean you could have it anytime but I, I do love that in the mornings for for breakfast it's, it is it is absolutely delicious. Um, we have a variation on that where we take um, an over easy egg yeah. and put a bit of feta cheese with that and that on top of the avocado, the, the mashed avocado on the on the toast on the sourdough or the whole grain toast. But it, it really is it's delightful and that is a very healthy way to start your day. So you have two recipes here. We'll we'll actually put uh, put those in the notes at some point. So we, we talk about um, eating some really health, healthy foods. We talk about hydration. We talk about water in particular because we don't consume enough of it. And we really mean water. We're not talking about soft drinks or coffees or teas or things of that nature. It really has to be water. Um, and it depends on your weight and your activity level. You're, but you heard it. Protein is super important. Um, and I think that I read at some point that if you're an active woman, you need about 30 grams of protein per meal. There is no way that any of us are consuming 30 grams of protein per meal. Now, that seems like a lot. If you are active, that probably is the bare minimum of what you need um, in your diet. But again, it depends on your activity level and other health factors. So obviously, you want to consult with your healthcare practitioner about your personal requirements and needs. And then there is something else that you mentioned, which is stress. Mm. And um, geez, I wish I had, <laughs> I wish I had an answer for how we could reduce our stress because we know that it's reached anxiety, depression, stress has reached epidemic proportions. And we read about it and we listen to shows and podcasts and documentaries and how we need how we handle stress is so important and it does show in our in our skin and our hair and in other parts of our bodies yeah stress it's i mean I, virtually every single person i see these days seems to be suffering from chronic stress and it, it's so detrimental to health you know not not only our hair which we're obviously talking about today but it really is detrimental and that that is it's very interesting because when I'm working with clients, that's really one of the first things that we we focus on. Because if you can reduce stress, you see such a change in in you know all everything else. Because stress has an effect on every function in the body, and as we were saying with hair growth, cortisol, which is one of the stress hormones, it actually affects the hair follicle. Because if you're constantly stressed. And you've got cortisol in, in your blood the whole time. It really has a disruptive effect on, on the hair. So what can we do? You know, that, that is the question, isn't it? And I, I always find when working with, with clients is that you have to find something that works for you. And the majority of ladies that come to me are, are normally very tired, very stressed, very overwhelmed. 
And if I was to say to them, okay, you have to go and do an hour's yoga and I want you to meditate every day, it's just not going to happen. It's just that they wouldn't be able to do it. So we really go through and try and do what I like to say, like a stress audit. You have to make time, even though you say people who say, oh, I'm too busy. But, you know, your health is a priority. Even if you just put 10 minutes aside a day to do some sort of relaxation for yourself, it's you have to prioritize it. Things like deep. I'm a big fan of breathing because that really resets your nervous system and it's easy. You can do it anywhere. It doesn't cost anything. So deep breathing exercises. I mean, massage is fantastic for stress reduction. Also, things like acupuncture uh, is very uh, relaxing and can really help to relieve stress. Going for a five minute walk, phoning a friend, reading a book, just having a cup of tea and staring out the window. It's really what we want to do is reset and calm the nervous system down because we're all in this state of like hyper chronic stress and we want to get our, our nervous system into the para, parasympathetic nervous system which is the rest and digest because also if you're constantly stressed you don't digest your food like you should and that as you can imagine then leads on to a, another long array of problems and, and, and symptoms it's finding something that works for you that you can fit into your day um I find, like I say, deep breathing, deep breathing, just 10 minutes, time out, sit somewhere away from your desk, look out the window, sit outside, listen to the birds. It's difficult, though, isn't it, Jerry, to find things that people can fit into their daily life. I think that's what I find difficult with clients. It is so true. We sometimes I would look up and starting my day at the desk in the office and I would look up and the sun is going down and I haven't been outside to take a deep breath, walk around, just commune with nature, just don't have the time. And so I have to force myself, have forced myself to get up. And when I am on a conference call, I put my headphones in and I take a walk on the conference call because it is an opportunity to at least get away, get outside. So I force myself to do that. It is really, really hard. And by the way, we're not going to run a marathon in a day. So what I always tell myself is each day, take a few minutes, 15 minutes if you if you can, 15 minutes for a walk, 15 minutes to do what you just suggested, which is to just sit somewhere and do nothing. By the way, Italians are really good at that. <laughs> Just go to Italy. You'll see it. Um, and I could say that because I'm Italian. So this is not meant to be um, a criticism. But um, but I wasn't I was not trained to do that because I came from a family where people worked all the time. And if you were idle, that was not a good thing. But it really is important for stress reductions. Just find something where you can do nothing just sit and do nothing, just be, and then work on it so that each and every day, maybe you increase the amount of time that you allocate for your stress reduction. Um, and stress is, is a big destroyer of health relationships. Uh, it causes other issues. It causes us to abuse other things. 
that are harmful to our health. So getting that under control is super important. I also find that exercise helps. So again, getting into some sort of a routine, you don't have to run a marathon. You don't have to be you know, spinning incessantly all day long with, you know, your spinner bike or your Peloton or, or your or go outside and do, you know, a 25 mile trek. <clears throat> but if you can take a walk, start by taking a walk. Maybe it's just a half a mile and you increase it to a mile, then you continue each day and build on that. Before long, you'll be walking four or five miles and you'll be surprised how good it feels. So those are some other tactics that we can consider. And then it's what you do to your hair. You, we mentioned this as well. So what do we do to our hair? Well, we all, we, hair, our hair is our glory isn't it and we don't you know when as we age of course our hair get, goes gray I mean and that happens to everybody but you know we don't want that so we, we dye our hair I'm not saying there's absolutely anything wrong with that at all because I mean it looks nice doesn't it but you know all the all the products that we use and the things that we do to our hair do have an effect on it um I'm not saying that you should suddenly you know become all natural and, and not color your hair but I think you know maybe being mindful of the different sorts of products that may be a bit kinder to to your hair I mean I'm, I'm not a hairdresser I'm, I'm sure a hairdresser would be able to discuss that better you know with the different options of, of products that you can color your hair with but think you know thinking about the products that you use using products that are hydrating uh, there is a bit of research saying, you know, using conditioners and, and hair masks that contain, you know, vitamin C, vitamin E, uh, biotin uh, can have a, an improvement in hair condition because what, what we need is moisture and, and the skin as well. I mean, I always say that when I talk about the skin and menopause, we just need moisture because everything unfortunately it just comes a bit drier when we when we go into uh, the menopause transition so using like a hair mask like you would some hopefully apply a mask to your face maybe once twice a week you can actually buy some very nice hair mask that you can put on and, and it's like a you would apply it leave it for roughly about 20 minutes 30 minutes and then just rinse it out i'm a great fan as well of, of oils hair oils and there's some now, there's, I don't know what it's like in your part of the world, Jerry, but where I live in Europe, there is a bit of a menopause revolution going on. And all of a sudden, the, the market's been, well, maybe I wouldn't say flooded, but there, there is a lot of menopausal products. Um, but there are some very nice hair oils that they've that's have been produced specifically for menopausal hair. And you apply it in the evening before you go to bed. You leave it in overnight and then you wash your hair in the morning. And they are the, some of the ones I've uh, tried. They, they, it's actually very beneficial because it just gives your hair that little bit of extra attention uh, that it needs. So I think finding good quality products that really give the, the, the hair and the skin that added moisture boost is, is really important and not brushing your hair too hard and you know using all heated appliances all the time really does damage your hair uh, so I think it's just being more mindful isn't it really and being nice to your hair and if you tie your hair up a, a, a lot 
that can actually have an effect on the how you know losing there if you really tie your hair quite tightly in a ponytail or, or whatever constantly that actually has an effect on your hair and can it make your hair snap so I think finding a, a way of putting your hair up maybe in a slightly kinder way than using uh like really thick bands that that split your hair. I remember my hairdresser saying that to me quite a few years ago, and I really remembered that, that, you know, be careful how you tie your hair up because it can damage your hair. So it's uh, these, these are really good points. And it does remind us that if we want to have better hair and we want to have better and healthier hair, that we can see our dermatologist who might give us some ideas as to what we can do, but you have a hairdresser and hairdressers receive extensive amounts of training about maturing hair. So consult with your dermatologist, consult with your hairdresser and ask your hairdresser what might be done in terms of the use of products or perhaps instead of getting that blowout when you go and have your hair trimmed or colored or what have you, um, you don't have your hair blown out. You might be surprised how beautiful it looks by drying it naturally. So that natural wave is actually uh, healthier for your hair. You're not straightening it. And then in, in terms of products that, uh, that you may use to color your hair, there are some really great products on the market that might be more beneficial. But consult with your hairdresser. If you have a good hairdresser that you've been visiting for many years, he or she can advise you as to how to, to safely color your hair if that's what you choose to do. But again, you can also see your dermatologist because let's face it, as we get older, we also start to see the emergence of different types of autoimmune conditions that might be impacting our scalp. For example, we talk about psoriasis, psoriasis being an autoimmune condition. It can be on the scalp and it can also produce some drying and some hair loss and some itchiness, which can exacerbate where you might be in the transition um, of perimenopause or menopause. So those are some, some things that, um, that you might consider, but always, always uh, consult your doctor, consult a, a registered nutritionist, nutritionist. And the advice that we are providing, or I should say the information that we are providing does not replace the medical advice that you might receive from any of those individuals. So we strongly encourage you to use this as a basis upon which to take the next step and not a recommendation or a therapeutic approach, because that's not the purpose of the Love Mia Vita podcast. It's really to inform, to provide information that you can take back, think about it, and then take make the decision in conjunction with your healthcare practitioner. But this has been wonderful, Allison, as always. Uh, this is Allison Blod, who is a registered nutritionist living in Sweden. She's from the UK. She's her lovely accent. She's just <laughs> love your accent. I hope that our listeners and viewers enjoy it as much as I do. But more importantly, we always love having Allison as our guest because she really knows so much about what we can do to make changes, positive changes, as we move through the transition, one of the best times of our lives. So with that, um, Allison, would you please share with our listeners and viewers um, how they may reach you? 
Oh, thank you, Jerry. Yes, I think the best way is via my website, which is alisonblad.com. That's uh, B-L-A-D-H.com. And on there, you can find all my social. I'm on those social media. And there's also a resources page that there's lots of uh, free ebook downloads with lots of lovely recipes and ideas of things to do to improve protein uh, uh, intake etc so feel free if anyone wants to go there and download everything's uh, free on there so yeah thank you it is excellent I get Allison's uh, I'm on Allison's email list and I read her blogs uh, and she has some great information to share with all of us so Allison once again on behalf of Femme Pharma the sponsor of the Love Me Avita podcast it is my pleasure to have you once again as our guest, and I thank you, um, and you are listening to the Love Mia Vita podcast. This is Jerry DiPiano signing off, and love Mia Vita. Take care.